Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today to take your calls and answer your questions here on the air. Uh, you can also give us a text message. We'd love to hear from you. Either way, uh, the number to call is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven is the text number. This is the show where you can call in, or you can text us with your questions about the Bible, or if you have things going on in your life you'd like to know what God's Word says about them. We'd love to discuss that with you, and we'd also love to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request or something that you'd like for, uh, prayed for on the air, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to lift those prayer requests up for you together with uh, all of those who are listening. Um, I want to welcome all of you who are tuning in, whether you're tuning in here in Colorado or up into Wyoming on Grace FM. Uh, we have a broadcast range that goes all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way down to Pueblo, Colorado. So if you're tuning in on Grace FM up and down the Front Range, we are glad that you tuned in today. Welcome to the program. We also want to welcome those who are listening on our syndicated stations. We are so uh, encouraged and excited that we are syndicated on the East Coast, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and on Truth FM in Tennessee and into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So uh, welcome to those of you who are tuning in on those stations, and also welcome to everyone who's tuning in online. We know there's so many of you who tune in via the mobile app. If you don't have that yet, go and get that, and just go onto the App Store there and uh, just type in Grace FM, it'll come right up. Or you can go to the website, gracefm.com, and you can click the button in the top left corner that says Listen Live, and you can listen to the program live, uh, this program and any other program um, that's airing on Grace FM. You can listen to it live. So just a reminder for those of you listening on the East Coast in the area around Tennessee, uh, that you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. Um, but we'd love to have you call in, and then you'll be able to... Uh, Tune in a week later and hear yourself played on the radio, radio then. So just a heads up for you guys that you're listening on a one-week delay, but we'd still love for you to call in. Again, the number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Uh, just a few words about myself. My name is, again, Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado, where we love Jesus and we love to study God's Word. We love to worship Him. And um, if you are in the Longmont area, we'd love to have you come visit us. Uh, we're currently studying through Paul's letter to the Romans on Sunday mornings. It's just been a great uh, great several months now that we've been in Romans. We're really getting towards the end. And this Sunday we are studying the passage, which is really, you know, you think about rock climbing. Uh, if any rock climbers out there, you know there's always a crux to a climb. And in the crux to the climb, right, everything builds up to the crux. And then after the crux, everything is is kind of just uh, working its way down. So, or, or working 
down from there, you know, up to the top, of course, but um, but it's easier after that. And I guess I see this passage as kind of the crux of, of the book of Romans, now that as I've been reading through it. In, in the beginning of Romans, his whole thing is he wants to present the gospel. And then he answers some questions that people might have. And then he says this, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, uh, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's really the key. I mean, everything's been building up to this. We know the gospel. We understand it. We appreciate it. We, we have some of our questions answered. And then he says, but here's, here's where this is all going. You know, understanding it leads to this. Give yourself over to God. As a, as a living sacrifice, that idea of a living sacrifice is someone who's fully consumed, uh, fully consumed and given over to God. And it says, you know, holy, acceptable, and that's our spiritual act of worship is giving our lives to God, not just singing songs, but it's uh, giving ourselves all that we are. And he says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we know that our minds are renewed as we spend time in God's word and he washes us with the water of his word. And, and the end goal of that is that we're able to test and discern what, um, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so, um, yeah, so that's what we'll be saying this Sunday. If you are in the Longmont area, we'd love to have you come visit us. Our, uh, our website, so you can check out directions, information, all that is whitefieldschurch.com. Again, that's whitefieldschurch.com. We meet in the St. Vray Memorial Building in downtown Longmont. We're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. So we're at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. It's the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman here in downtown Longmont. And um, 10 a.m. Sunday morning, we'd love to have you come visit us, whether you live in Longmont or in the surrounding area. We have lots of people who drive in from surrounding communities, and we, we have home groups that meet in the surrounding communities as well. And we, we'd love to get you plugged in, and we'd love to have you visit and worship with us. So come check us out this weekend if you're in the Longmont area, Whitefields Community Church, and the website again, whitefieldschurch.com. You can also hear me every day here on this station at 2.30 p.m., and on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And usually on Fridays, it's uh, Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary down in Colorado Springs, but he is off this week, and so I am filling in for him. I'm usually your host on Mondays. Let's go over to Brittany in Colorado Springs. Hey, Brittany, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? I just want to encourage my sisters and brothers in Christ that if they're hurting or they're dealing with things, the battles and trials, that Jesus knows and, and that God's with you because I was um, dealing with this pain in my chest and I was like, I, I don't know, my prayers are changing now. It's really cool that I say, God, I know you're here. I know you feel this pain. I know you're crying with me. And um, it's just, and he took it away. And I said, God, please take it away. And I just want to encourage you guys to just be encouraged that he sees all, he knows all, he hears all. Um, just, you know, give us, give your life to him because he, he deserves it all. And, you know, I'm just, I don't know, he's just so amazing. And um, to try out to him and be in his presence, be, in, be still. I'm learning that, to be still and to think him bad, to think of, you know, bad times. Because I'm always thinking him for the, you know, good times, but the bad times are hard things because it's like, oh, this is hard, God, I don't know how to do, what to do. But thank him in everything because he deserves all praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brittany. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, so... um. 
you know, I've mentioned this on the show a few times, but you know, one of my vers- one of the verses that really stuck out to me. I remember we went through a difficult time in which our daughter, you know, almost died and all these things. This was several years ago. She's doing fine now. But I remember uh praying with my wife at that time and when we didn't know what what was going to happen in the end of it. And I remember, you know, a lot of people read the first chapter of Job, which is really encouraging because, you know, it says that all these things happened to Job and that Job never cursed God. And he said, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But then in chapter two, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, Job has lost everything except for his wife, who isn't exactly a blessing, right? Like his wife comes around and she's like, you should just kill yourself and curse God. Um, And Job's, what he says to her though, is really interesting. In Job chapter two, verse 10, he says, shall we not, shall we receive good from the Lord only? Shall we not also receive bad? And it's kind of like, um, you know, what you're saying there, Brittany, is that shall we not also give thanks to the Lord for for the the difficult things in our lives as well that he has allowed for a purpose in in his care for us? I mean, if we really, truly believe what it says in Romans 8, 28, right, that we know that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, then we can know that even the difficult things uh, you know, he isn't the source of evil. He isn't the author of evil. And yet he allows those things. We had a caller on Monday and we were talking about this and we were talking about Isaiah 43 where it talks about how um, God sometimes sends calamity. And she was saying, how can that be? And we went we went through a great conversation about that, about how God is, um, you know, we have this thing that we call the a dilemma is when you have two things that seem to be opposed to each other. Well, there's this thing called the trilemma, and this has been kind of something that you know people have thought was an uh, argument against Christianity. And basically, what they say is this: you have these three things which are opposed. Well, they're not opposed to each other. The three things which supposedly cannot coexist at the same time, and that's here's what they are: that God is all powerful; He can do all things; that God is loving; and that there is that evil exists in the world. And so clearly we we all, you know, if we have eyes and ears and we are alive, we know that there is indeed evil in the world. And so the question is, well, then if there's evil in the world, how can those other things both be true at the same time? In other words, if God is all powerful and yet there's evil in the world, well, does that mean that God is not loving? Because if he was loving, wouldn't he use his power to stop it? And then on the other hand, you could say, well, if God is all loving, and there's evil in the world, does that mean that God is not all-powerful, that he wishes he could stop it, but he just can't seem to be able to, even though he wishes he could? And and clearly, the Bible doesn't teach that. And so people would say, well, you know, here's where Christianity falls apart, logically, because, um, you know, we believe that these three things are all true at the same time, and yet they can't exist at the same time. And what I was telling that caller on Monday was that, you know, if instead of a trilemma, we, we say, well, you know, the fact that God is loving and the fact that God's all-powerful, those are only two attributes of God. Aren't there certainly more attributes of God than just two? Aren't there other attributes of God? So let's let's add some of those in here. So let's not have a trilemma. Let's have a lot of other lemmas, right? Let's have a quadrilemma, a quintilemma. Let's add some other ones to it. The fact that, for example, God is also omniscient. God knows everything. So if God knows everything, that adds a whole new factor to it, doesn't it? It means that God knows things that I don't know. It means that even sometimes he can allow and use bad things in our lives 
because he loves us and he uses them as a tool because he knows everything and part of his power and his grace is the fact that he is able to knowing everything use those things in our lives which seem in the moment to be very difficult um, and he can actually use them for good that's what Romans 8 28 is saying or like in the story of Joshua or sorry the story of Joseph in Genesis 50 where he says all these things that you meant for evil against me God intended them for good God used them for good and uh, and so you know we could even go on with that we could say that God is omnipresent that he's everywhere and not just omnipresent in terms of geography but omnipresent also in terms of history like he is outside of time and so if God is everywhere at all times he sees the beginning from the end he knows all things then uh, and he's all-knowing and he's all-loving see all of these things come together to say that um, the fact that, uh, that God is who he is and evil exists in the world are not, um, are not a mutually exclusive things. In fact, that God uses these things for good in our lives. But here's the other part of it, that God absolutely hates evil so much so that he came and gave his life for those things. He died, gave his son so that evil could be done away with once and for all and that all that's wrong with the world could be ultimately undone and that's the hope that we have as christians that's what we look forward to uh, in the gospel so thanks Brittany, for that and for uh, the conversation glad for the encouragement god bless you you're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado taking your calls and texts on the air today uh, the number to call 303 690-3000 and you can also text us 720-336-0897 um, let's uh, go over to our text line of waiting for calls to come in we have all open lines right now so it's a great time to call in usually here at the beginning of the show is always uh, the best time to call because um, we tend to end up having a lot of callers towards the end of the show but not at the beginning um, let's see we've got a couple um, text messages that have come in let's look at some of those uh, we have a question from someone named Travis and Firestone. So Travis and Firestone asked this question. Do most rabbis get it right when they say that Ham likely uh, raped his father when he was drunk and passed out? Okay, so what that is referring to is the story of Noah. And the story of Noah found in uh, Genesis chapter 6 through 8. So let's go over there. I'm going to turn there and you can too as long as you're not driving. Hope you're not flipping through your Bible while you're driving on the highway. But uh, I'm going to go over to Genesis chapter 8. And um, and here's what happens is that you, you know the story is that here in the book of Genesis, we saw that sin entered the world and then sin multiplied. People multiplied on the earth. And as people multiplied, sin also multiplied. And, um, and as happened it says that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually it says the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth it grieved him to the heart and so the Lord said I will blot out man whom I have created from the earth man and animals creeping things and birds of the heavens for I am sorry that I made them but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord and so here's the story of Noah is that uh, there's one righteous man in his family and and God says okay I'm gonna save this guy 
This is, uh, you know, the one guy who, who, who doesn't seem to be going the way of the world, who actually walks with me, who's, it says Noah was a righteous man and Noah walked with God. You know, there's only a handful of people in the Bible that it says that they walked with God. And that's a significant thing. You know, Abraham walked with God. Uh, Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Adam walked with God before sin came into the world. And so walking with God insinuates a relationship with God. So here's what happens. Then the, the flood happens. Everyone dies. The, this, this flood takes place. Then finally the waters subside and they get off the boat. And um, it says that, you know, uh, Noah plants a vineyard and then he gets drunk off of the grapes of the vineyard. And then he's drunk and passed out in his tent there in uh, Genesis chapter 8. And his children come in, his sons, uh, who were also on the boat with him. And they see him there naked and it says that his one son, Ham, did something that uh, caused him to be cursed. And so Ham, and not, it wasn't really Ham and all his descendants. And the reason we know that it wasn't like a thing on all of Ham's descendants that they're cursed is because we see some of them being blessed later on in the Bible. But um, Ham is cursed because he goes in and somehow does something shameful towards his dad. Now, whether that was that he just laughed at his dad or mocked his dad, or if it was that he went beyond that and did something even more disgraceful, really the text doesn't say. So I don't personally think that we have the liberty to assume that. Now, you might say, well, there, there, there's a rabbinical tradition that Ham did something you know, sexual with his father. Could be. But again, um, the rabbinical tradition is not really something that we can hang our hats on. What we have here is the scriptures, and even the rabbis would tell you this, is that the tradition itself is not on the same level as the scriptures. And so we look at the scriptures. We don't see any indication of that. All we see is that Ham did something. We don't know what it was, but it was very inappropriate, and Ham was cursed as a result. The other brothers, on the other hand, honored their father. They grabbed a blanket or a sheet, and they walked in backwards, refusing to look at their dad's uh, nakedness and shame and his passed out drunk state and they covered him with that um, with that blanket now there's a few things I want to mention I don't want to get into too much detail because uh, we also have other callers I want to get to and, and more time but here's here's the things that number one there is a if you look at uh, types and symbols throughout the Bible the idea of covering is a symbol that starts in Genesis chapter 3 where God provides a covering for Adam and Eve when they have sinned and in their shame they are hiding from God and so God provides them a covering. And so we see this theme of covering that runs throughout the Bible starting in Genesis chapter 3. God provides a covering and we see here a man sinning and in shame and his these other ones are, are um, upheld as doing the right thing for providing a covering for sin. And, and then into Psalms and Proverbs, we read things like that, uh, that love covers over a multitude of sins. Again, that idea of covering over sin and shame. And what all that is doing, that theme, is it's building up to Jesus, the one who will ultimately cover up, and not just cover up, but finally cover up in a sense of doing away with completely our sin, by giving his life for it. It's really a beautiful picture. The other, um, the other thing I was going to tell you about this, here's the big picture of Genesis 6 through 8 that I think a lot of people sometimes miss, is that here's the thing that there's a lot of people in the world today and at all times in history who would say, you know, there are a lot of bad people in the world, and so what we need to do is if we could just get rid of the bad people and we could keep the good people, then everything would be right in the world. And 
I want you to understand that Genesis 6 through 8, the story of the flood, totally gets rid of any claim that you could have that if we got rid of the bad people and kept the good people, then everything would be okay. Because here's what happens. Everybody's sinful, right? And then you have this one guy, the best person in the world, literally, is, is Noah. Him and his family. So let's keep the very best person in the world and literally kill everybody else. There were probably millions of people already alive at that time if you consider the ages of people and the number of children they were having. And so... Um, everybody dies except for the best person in the world. And then guess what happens? Sin got on that boat too because sin is not something that is, exists in everybody else. It's not something that exists in society. Sin is something that exists within us. It's bound up within us. And so as Noah got on that boat and his kids got on that boat, sin also got on that boat and got off that boat. And that's what Genesis 6-8 is telling us. Even if you get rid of everybody but you keep only the very best person, sin is a problem that, that is existing within us. We, what we need more than anything is new hearts. We need to have a heart of stone removed. We need to be regenerated. And that can only be done by the work of God. So that's, that's one of the big takeaways from this. And, um, and so, yeah, I hope that answers your question. I recently taught on the story of Noah at a Bible college up in Estes Park. There's a Bible college called uh, Ravencrest. And I taught up there for a week. And I taught the whole book of Genesis over the course of a week. And so a lot of these things are fresh in my mind. And, and I'm pretty excited about them. Especially, you know, we did kind of an overview of Genesis over the course of about 15 hours in a week. And it was just a, a great time. So I got a lot of these things still going in my head. But um, yeah. Thank you for that question. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to James in Boulder, Colorado. Hi, James. Welcome hey. to the program. Hey, uh, good afternoon. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> doing great. What's up? Good. Um, yeah, I just had a quick question for you. I, uh, I always like, uh, I, guess, uh, I guess I minister to this guy uh, that... Uh, that I've grown up with. Um, him and his father own a, uh, a gas station, and um, they are Muslim, and uh, we always like to uh, compare our religion, uh, you know, side by side, uh, and argue on points. And, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, I, whenever I go in there, um, you know, I, we, we pretty much believe in everything uh, the same. Uh, the only uh, seems to be the biggest difference is that uh, my friend uh, believes uh, that uh, Muhammad was the last prophet uh, sent by, I believe, Angel Gabriel. Um, uh, and then they kind of disregard uh, Jesus Christ. And they just kind of make him a, a messenger and uh, not the deity of God itself. Or, you know, they don't believe that uh, Jesus was God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, every time I go in there, I just try, uh, you know, his question to me is, uh, who is God? Uh, or who is Jesus? Uh, that's, his, that's his question. And then he, and then he always tells me, well, you know, uh, if Jesus is like us, then how can he be God, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I, it's hard for me to argue that with him. Yeah, so I just wanted to see uh, what, what, uh, if you could help me out on, on that argument uh, in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, you know, there I, I have quite a bit of experience uh, ministering with Muslims. I was a missionary in Hungary uh, for several years, for 10 years. And uh, during the first part of that, we worked with refugees. You know, before that was like a big thing in the news. You know, they've they've had refugees from Muslim countries over in Europe for a long time. And so uh, we did a lot of ministering to Muslims. And, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of the the discussions you've probably been having with your friend. I think, first of all, I want to commend you on the fact that you're having like just a, a good 
dialogue with a person who has a different belief. And uh, I think, man, praise the Lord for that. And I, I just uh, pray for you that uh, God would use you in that. And I, I think it's awesome that you're having that conversation. I'll give you a few things uh, on what you said. Um, number one is going to be this, that, um, well, I'm trying to think if I should start big or go uh, start small. Let's, let's start big, okay? Here's the deal. Um, what separates Islam from Christianity is the same thing that separates Christianity from every other religion that exists in the world. And, and here's what it is. At the end of the day, you know, when you say, um, you know, we believe most of the same things except that Jesus was God, I'm going to tell you that I don't actually think that's true. And, and it would be true whether you're talking to an atheist, whether you're talking to um, a Jehovah's Witness, whether you're talking to a Mormon, whether you're talking to a Hindu. There's one thing that separates the Christian gospel from every other belief system in the world, every other philosophy in the world. And it is, simply put, the teaching of grace. And, and I would give it to you this way. Um, I just taught on this recently. If you're interested, ask the uh, station manager after we get off the phone. Ask him to um, give you some links because I just taught on this the last couple Sundays about what separates Christianity from every other religion. And here's what it is. It all comes down to this topic of grace. And, um, and here's what it means. It means that every other religion basically says this. Here's what you need to do in order to get God to respond to you. Let's put it this way. Uh, every religion says, you initiate, God responds. You initiate, God responds. So you can imagine like a bicycle, right? Like you initiate and then God responds. And so um, with Christianity, though, we believe the exact opposite. We believe that God has initiated and we respond. So uh, whereas other religions say, okay, God is up here and you are down here. And here are the things that you can do in order to get God to do what you want him to right. do or to save you. Or, or to bless you. I mean, it goes down to the very minute level as well. It, you know, you want to pass that test. You want to succeed in business. Here are the things that you need to do in order to get God to do what you want him to do. Now, I'm just going to say it kind of bluntly, but isn't that not, is that not some form of manipulation? I mean, if I'm yeah. trying to get somebody to do what I want them to do. In other words, we believe that God exists in order to accomplish, Right. Like he's like the big man upstairs who helps me get the things done that I don't have the power to do in my own strength. Um, whereas what the gospel is saying is that, no, it actually, here's how it works. God saves you by his grace because he loves you. And he does, God comes down to you. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's this idea of the incarnation that God, rather than us trying to work our way to God, God came down to us. And, and lifts us up to himself. And, and we respond to that. And so I, I just want to say that I, that is the number one thing. You know, a, a Muslim person is in the same boat as, as a person from uh, any other faith that believes this basic thing, which is that here is a list right. of things that you can do in order to get God to right. accept yeah, you and respond to you. Yeah, they believe that, you know, if you, if you just, uh, if you have good manners and, you know, you're a, a genuine person and you go throughout life uh, with good intentions that, uh, you know, not necessarily that you'll be saved, but, um, they, you know, they believe that uh, when you die, uh, your soul itself goes to a place uh, and wait uh, to be judged, um, you know, for the good and the bad. Um and I, I, was, I always try to explain that, you know, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that, um, and, and by, by grace, that, you know, uh, just by having, the, uh, through faith, 
that uh, not our works that we can be saved. Um, you know, just by believing in, in Him and following after Him. Um, and uh, I know that's right. I just know that uh, you know they don't. They you know they're you know they uh, it's hard because they you know they believe that you know like you know what about a murderer or uh, you know a thief? Did, uh, did they make it to heaven? And my answer when I am answering them, I say, well, you know, if they've repented and they accept Jesus, you know, as a Lord, a personal Lord and Savior, then they, you know, then yeah. God, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, you know, he kind of puts that, uh, that bill on, you know, over their sins like, in, a, in a sense. Um, yeah. Hey, you know what? We're going to have to go to break in like 30 seconds. So I'm going to need to uh, put you on hold or I could just let you go, but I'd love to continue the conversation. If you've got time, uh, I'll just have you hold yeah. and we'll continue. Yeah, I got Awesome. Time. Awesome. Let me plug the number real quick. If you'd like to call in, give us a call, 303-690-3000. We'll be back in two minutes' time. We're going to break right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. While I've got you here, well, actually, let's go back to James. I know he's been holding for a while, so let's go to James in Boulder, Colorado. Hey, James, welcome back. Hey, so hey, we we were just talking about um, ministering to Muslims. So I guess I I wanted to go big picture first, which is to explain that this is what sets Christianity apart. And like you're saying. Um, he absolutely believes that. You know, there are also many Christians. That's what we call legalism, right? Is when, when you believe that uh, you're going to be saved based on your actions, not on Christ's actions, and and so, um, that would be the big part to start with. Here's what I would kind of show him. I would show him that even um, by their own scriptures, you know, it's it's. Uh, you know, I guess I'd say it's a logical fallacy to believe that you can actually be saved by your own good works. And that would be kind of the approach that I would take with him. You know, how can you have any guarantee that you will have outdone your bad deeds with good deeds? And then furthermore, I mean, the first couple of chapters of Romans are all about this fact that, look, God is righteous and we are unrighteous. And therefore, if God is just, then he has to judge righteously which means that all of us deserve judgment and therefore the only way for us to be saved is purely by the mercy of god not by our earning it or deserving it so i would start there with him then i would answer some of his questions uh, but another another place to start with a muslim person is to get them to see this you know muslim people you know islam came around in the 600s a.d which means that it is it came around after christianity and and so Muslim people consider Christians and Jews, they call them the people of the book. And they believe that uh, they have four holy books. You know, they divide the Old Testament into two books. And then they have the New Testament. And then they have their their writings, which they consider, you know, the uh, 
Quran, which they believe to be the fourth and final kind of testament. But here's the thing, that they do actually believe the New Testament is inspired by God. And so this was the approach that we would often take in the refugee camp when we ministered to Muslims, is that we would, um, we would hand them a New Testament. Uh, we would actually specifically hand them just a New Testament. Because sometimes with the Old Testament, here's where they get upset, is that you know the Quran actually reinterprets the Old Testament and it changes some stories. So, for example, it says, like, when we read in Genesis 22 that Abraham went up on the mountain and sacrificed his son Isaac, or almost sacrificed his son Isaac. And, uh, well, we read that in, in, according to the Muslims, it wasn't Isaac, but it was Ishmael. And so sometimes if they start reading the Old Testament, they'll get, you know, upset about these things and, and that. So we, we started with just saying, let's give them the New Testament. Let's have them read it, and let's remind them that the Quran itself tells them that the New Testament is inspired by God. But here's the thing that always gets them, is that they've been told their entire lives that the New Testament and the Old Testament, the, you know, the Bible that we have, has been altered, and that it's not trustworthy. And so um, I, I always just would point them to say, hey, look, you know, your own scriptures say that this is the, uh, from God, and you know, I can give you a lot of proof because actually we do have a huge a burden of proof that proves that the Old Testament and the New Testament have not been altered, well, especially with the Dead Sea Scrolls and all these things. So, you know, I would press that point and say, hey, we can prove that these haven't been changed. And so therefore, I challenge you to read them. You know, you're, you believe that they're inspired scripture, so believe them. And then I would say, you know, you know that this process of salvation that's described here in the New Testament is completely the opposite of what you're trying to do by um, you know, following the five pillars of Islam and trying to work your way up to God. I would point him to places like Romans 10 that says, you know, you don't have to work your way up to God. God has come down to you. And, um, and so that would be uh, one big thing that I would um, approach with them. And then on those smaller points, you should point out to him that Christians believe that Christ has a dual nature. So we, we don't believe that he is just human, nor do we believe that he's just God. We believe that he's fully human and fully God. And we ourselves understand that that is a mystery that's difficult for us to understand. But, um, but that's part of what makes God great is that he is beyond our comprehension. So we have to take him at his word. So, I mean, that's another misnomer that they think that we think that Jesus, you know, um, was only human or only God. No, we believe that he was fully human and fully God, and it's only by being fully human and fully God that he's actually able to be the Savior that we need as the um, one who takes our place. See, they have no concept of that in Islam. Here's another thing they don't have a concept of in Islam. I remember we would tell Muslim people that God loves them, and they would, they would laugh because for them, you know, God is uh, aloof. He is unfeeling, and he certainly doesn't love people. And so they have this idea that he is just and he is, he is merciful, uh, but definitely doesn't love them. And I, I mean, you can point them to places in the Old Testament and New Testament that say exactly that. So those are the points that I would press with him. But more than anything, I, w I would pray for him. I would uh, make sure that you keep a good rapport with him. So, Cool. James, I don't know if you're still there or not. I think I hear you, but uh, if not, uh, thanks for the call and the questions about uh, Islam. Very helpful. Good stuff. God bless you. 
You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your um, calls and texts here on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, give us a call. We've got two open lines. But in the meantime, let's go to Tim in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the program. Yeah. Yes. How are you doing? Uh, better than I deserve. And yourself? <laughs> Same. Good. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, my question would be, is it okay to have recreational sex within marriage? Um, I guess meaning um, just sex without wanting children. Yeah, I don't know if I'd use the word recreational, Tim, but I do get what you're saying, and I assume that you're meaning with your spouse and not with somebody else, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I guess I would use a different term, uh, but I do get get what you're saying, and uh, my answer to that is yes, I do think that that is okay, and uh, I'll give you a few reasons for that. You know, I think that, um, you, you know, think about it this way. The Song of Solomon describes exactly that it describes two people enjoying intimate pleasure with each other with one they're loved and who they are married to um, but not for the purpose of procreation it's not for the purpose of having children um, it's for the purpose of delighting in each other and um, you know it's just I, I think that uh, you know sexual relationship between a husband and a wife is a is a great gift from God it is a blessing and um and I think that it is is meant to be used for that purpose as well. Now, is it um, to be used for having children? Of course. And um, but here's here's something I would I would point out. I remember hearing one pastor put it this way once, and I thought it was a pretty good point. And here's what he said. He said, "Look, God created for six days, right? Like so, it says that God created first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, and then He stopped creating. And and it, you know, as people who are made in the image of God, one of the one of the aspects of that is that He gave us the ability to procreate, and uh, just as He is a creator who has created, so we too um, have the ability to create. And, and clearly, that's not an exact parallel, but it's part of what it means for us to be made in the image of God. It's one aspect of it. And what this person pointed out is that look, just as God created for a time, and then at one time He stopped um, creating. And he enjoyed his creation. And so here's uh, the point the person was making, is that did God have to stop creating? Well, no, he could have continued, right? Like he could have continued creating myriad of things. You know, like he made the duck-billed platypus. He could have made, you know, deer with duck bills. He could have done all kinds of crazy stuff, made animals, colors, stuff that we've never seen or can even imagine. Uh, in other words, the, the possibilities for God were limitless, and yet he chose to stop and then delight in what he had created. And this person was saying that, look, we too, just because we, we have been given the ability from God uh, to create, doesn't mean that we must create. And there comes a time for delighting, not just creating. Now, someone might ask, you know, what about the commandment to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth? Now, Let's be clear on this. Um, that commandment was given to people. It's given twice, actually. Interestingly, it's given to 
Adam and Eve, and then it's given again to Noah and his family. And, um, and again, in each of these cases, this is somebody who's living at a time when the earth needs to be filled with people. And God's giving them that commandment. The idea of subduing the earth is different than the idea of filling the earth. Okay, so there's two different things there. Um, on the one hand, there's this commandment to have children, procreate, to fill the earth. We can talk about why that is and if that applies to all of us. But here is the other part, is that um, subduing the earth is more about managing the earth than it is about just having children. Here's the other part. As New Testament believers, um, I, I mean, with 8 billion people in the world, I don't personally believe there's a huge need for us to be filling the earth with more people. I'm not against it. If, if people want to have kids, I, I love it when Christian families have a lot of kids and they disciple those kids, and, and I think that's great. Um, but, you know, think about it this way, too. Jesus gave us a, a similar commandment, except it wasn't about procreation. It was go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And, um, and so I, I think that that would be the thing that we need to focus on as Christians is going to all the earth and making disciples, whether those are disciples of our own children or other people's children. Uh, uh, anyway, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I hope you um, got the answer that I was trying to get up. Okay. So I got, if you got time, I could ask sure. you like two more if you got time. Okay. So I, do have I grew up in a, I grew up in a Christian household. I'm a complete total atheist. Nothing you could say is going to change my mind. What scripture would you lead me to to change that? If you were to give me one or two, and uh, and how would you um, explain the serpent in the garden? How could he possibly have ever spoke? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great question. So, you know, I mean, if you have a problem with the serpent in the garden speaking, you should also have a problem with the donkey speaking in other places in the Bible. And you should have a, a problem with, um, well, basically anything. How about this one? Uh, how do you, you know, how do you explain the fact that God spoke out of an ex nihilo, right? Like God created everything out of nothing. Basically, here's the deal. If you can believe that there is a God who is able to do anything, then um, then it shouldn't be a problem for you to believe almost anything else that's in the Bible. But here's the other thing. I don't think that believing that this is a literal serpent who spoke is necessity. Uh, I don't think that that's a primary Christian doctrine. Okay, so whether that is a, a symbol of, of Satan speaking, whether the serpent is symbolic of, of Satan, or whether it was a literal serpent who actually spoke, I think that that is uh, almost secondary to the bigger issue, which is, um, and, and so if you were going to, so I, I just say that I think we have to divide things into primary issues and secondary issues. We have to decide which hills we die on and which hills, what, what things we make big issues out of. And, you know, I don't know in, in if that was a literal serpent. I tend to think it was just because I think that the Bible should be read as literally as possible. But um, I wouldn't make that a stumbling point for yourself. The point of that story is that there are people who disobeyed God and their disobedience led to... Uh, a lot of problems that we're still dealing with today and problems which are of the most severe nature. Sorry, and so your other question, I believe, was uh, what Bible verses would I give you to prove to you that there's a God? Well, you know, you first of all, you told me that nothing I was going to say was going to be able to convince you, so that uh, already set me up for, um, you know, <laughs> expectations, right? Like, um, 
nothing I'm going to be able to, you've already decided. In other words, you've already kind of made up your mind. Uh, but here's the thing. I, I Before I would just throw Bible verses at you, um, I would also want to um, have a discussion with you and find out what's at the root of your atheism. And, and here's what I would kind of challenge you with is that I've heard it said, and, I, and it's been true in my experience um, from people I've talked to, is that people who uh, reject Christianity most often do so not for logical or rational reasons. In other words, like, I can't believe that there's a serpent who talks. Um, but at the root of it, there's a personal reason. And so um, that's kind of what I would really want to talk to you about more. And, and then I would want to address the issue, whatever that issue is. Um, as to why that is. So whether it's a scientific thing that you can't, you say that you, you don't believe that science, uh, you, you believe that science disproves the existence of God, or whether it's a philosophical thing, you know, that, that would be where I'd want to go. So it's hard for me to just throw a Bible verse at you out of the blue here. Right. Yep. I guess it'd be like God doesn't exist and evolution. I don't really believe in that. It just happens, you know, so, anyway, I fully believe in the, in the Trinity. I believe in God, Jesus, the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit. But these are some questions that was thrown at me um, yesterday, and I tried to answer them the best that I could, and okay. um, and whatnot. So, and and I pretty much said the same thing about recreational sex, but I I kind of wanted to hear that, so I had some verses to reference and whatnot. Um, and I, cause it's like, I use my example, for example, I said, well, I got three kids and my wife can't have any more or else she might die. And that's mm -hmm. what they told her after the second one. I said, so I guess it's recreational now because we ain't going to have another kid. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, you know, and I said, you know, it's always kind of just a circumstance, I guess. I mean, I can use a thousand different examples in my life to help you, you know, I said, and, and he kind of was like, well, you know, I don't know. He, he's like, I gave him an example of my mom and what she told me before she passed on and whatnot. She's like, well, you know, if what you're saying is true, I guess my mom probably is in hell. And, and I guess if I believe the same way, I guess that's where I'm going. But if you're right, uh, that's kind of a scary thing then. And that's, you better believe it's kind of I said, and I'm not going to, I'm not trying to persuade you to believe what I, I'm just going to simply read things from the Bible and you can take it as you want. Sure. And I know you don't really, and I guess basically he kind of grew up in a Christian household and whatnot, but it's kind of like, I just asked him, well, what kind of foundation did you really have in that? Was it like, I know about Noah's in the ark, Noah in the ark, I know about Adam and Eve, I know about David and Goliath. I was like, or did you really get the fundamentals of it to figure out exactly, you know, what the Bible is about? And if you could prove the Bible wrong to me, opposed to all these other religions, and why is Christianity the most hated, um, the form of you know, serving God. Why is that? You know. Well, and Tim, let me I just uh, let me just cut you off real quick here, because um, we got we got to get to other callers and textures. But here's what I'll tell you: uh, number one, uh, on that topic of do we seek to persuade people or not, uh, we absolutely do seek to persuade people as Christians. Paul the Apostle says that very clearly in Second Corinthians chapter ten. He says, "Because we have come to know the fear of God, therefore we seek to persuade all people." And he says, "Therefore, he says it's it's as if God is making his appeal to us be reconciled." to God. And uh, and so we absolutely do try to persuade
persuade all people, and we should try to do so as best we can. And uh, I guess I misunderstood you. I thought that you were saying that you were an atheist and you wouldn't believe in God, but you, it sounds like you were talking about somebody else. And, you, you know, you bring up one one uh, very good argument. You know, that's the uh, that's the old argument from uh, the Pascal, right? Pascal's wager. In other words, he says, hey, look, if, if I believe in God and I'm wrong, um, well, then I've I've lived a great life and uh, and I, I have no regrets. But if you choose not to believe in God and you, you take that chance and you reject the gospel and it turns out that you're wrong, well, the wage, the, the stakes are much higher in that case. And so, um, you know, I think that's a that's a pretty, pretty logical and reasonable statement. And that might be one to approach your atheist friend with as well. Here's what I want you to do. And, and I would recommend this for anybody else who's listening. We did a series earlier this year which I talked about here on the show, and it was called The Trouble Is. And we went through all of these things, the, the top six reasons. We did a poll. We got a couple hundred answers. And what are the top six reasons why people say that they reject Christianity? And let's address those in a sermon series. And so now we have those recorded, and we hand them out when we do outreaches here in Longmont. But they're also available online. If any of you are interested, go to whitefieldschurch.com. So whitefieldschurch.com, go in the sermons, and then under sermons, look under series. There's a drop-down menu, and look for the series called The Trouble Is. The Trouble Is, and that is our, I guess it's kind of an apologetic series, but it's also just addressing questions that people ask, whether it's questions of hypocrisy or science or um, the Bible contradicts itself, and all these kind of things. We addressed all these questions over six weeks. It was very good and very helpful, and now it's a great resource. So go check that out, whitefieldschurch.com, in the sermon section. We'd love to have you download those and, and share them with uh, other people. They're free, and we just want to be a blessing and a resource to other people. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got nine minutes left. The number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Let's go to Jesdy in Philadelphia. Hi there. Did I pronounce Hi. your name right? How you doing? I'm doing great. Okay. Uh, I have a question. Uh, I have a, a couple that I am friends with, and they're going to separation. Mm-hmm. I've heard uh, the story of the sister but not the brother yet. But I was wondering, uh, is it okay to talk to the brother, even though I'm praying on it, to see, like, from the sister's side, there's no way she's coming back with him. Mm-hmm. But I know God, like, that's not God's plan for for divorce. Yeah. And it would break my heart to see that happen. Mm-hmm. But I just want to know, like, from somebody else's opinion, if it's okay to talk to the brother about that. Yeah, I think that that is okay. I mean, you, the reason you're doing this is because you want to help these these people. You want to be a, a blessing to them. And so I just want to uh, encourage you to go ahead and do that. You know, there there is a proverb in the Bible that says that somebody who meddles, you know, is... I forget exactly how it puts it, but it's just like, man, you're you're stirring up problems by meddling. And I think that would be the question you need to ask yourself. Yeah, it's like one who takes a dog by the ears. That's what it says. Thank you to the producer here. He's doing a great job giving me a little help. So yeah, one who takes the dog by the ears is like someone who meddles in other people's business. Um, and so... Just, yeah, that would be my advice to you. Just make sure you're doing it for the right reason, that you're not meddling. And, you know, that you make, I would say, I would even tell them, 
make it clear to them both. Say, hey, I'm going to go talk to him because just put all your cards on the table. Be totally transparent and say, look, I don't want to see you divorced. I don't think this is God's plan. And I'm going to do everything I can to help bring reconciliation. You know, actually, it says in 2 Corinthians that God has reconciled us to himself in Christ and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And so we help other people be reconciled to God, but also part of that reconciliation is we want to see reconciliation brought in places in the world and in people's lives where there's need for it. And so I just want to, let me pray for you as you go and do that. And let's pray for this couple. Heavenly Father, I pray for Jesse and I, I thank you for his heart to see this couple restored. And Lord, I pray that his conversation with the brother would just be totally a breakthrough that Lord, you would speak through him and, and that there would be a breakthrough too also in the wife's uh, heart. Lord, truly do that work and bring about a work of reconciliation. We pray that these people would not only be reconciled to each other, but Lord, that they would know what it means to be reconciled in Christ to you and that they would have a relationship with you through Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would do a good work and that you'd use Jesse in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless thanks you. Hey, thanks for calling in. All right. Thank you. God bless you too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts on the air today. It looks like we have time for about one more uh, call, maybe another text. So let's go to Charles in New Jersey. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, yeah, just a question. I've asked this and often wondered this, wondered about this. I always hear the word, you know, I'm so blessed, I'm so thankful, which truly I am. I feel, feel very thankful, grateful for what I have. But I just question, you know, there's so much pain and suffering, and I witness so much pain and suffering from people. You know, the opposite of being blessed is cursed. So I just, I, I, I kind of grapple with, you know, why there's so much pain and suffering if, and truly, I believe in God, and, you know, once again, I'm grateful and thankful for what I have. But I just see so much pain and suffering in our world that, you know, if there's people are so blessed, why is there so much, you know, I'm not going to say people that are cursed, but just all the pain and suffering that occurs. I, I, just, I just question and, and wonder about that so often. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and you know, uh, we've only got a few minutes, so I won't go into too much detail. But, you know, it is a question that people have been wrestling with for a long time. And, and in fact, the very first book of the Bible that was probably written chronologically was the book of Job. And the book of Job asked that exact same question. If, uh, you know, Job was such a good guy and God loved Job so much, then why did all these bad things happen to him? And um, it, it's really a, a great question. And it's one that a lot of people wrestle with. So I guess first thing I would do is maybe challenge those uh, that assumption that the opposite of being blessed is being cursed. Well, I do think that makes sense. Uh, it would seem to me that just because someone isn't blessed doesn't necessarily mean that they're cursed by God. But, but in one sense, uh, maybe let's stick with that word cursed. And here's what I would tell you. If you read the Bible from beginning to end, here's what you'll find. In the, in the first chapters of Genesis, you see that God created the world and it was good and it was delightful and everything was was ideal. Man walked with God, no shame. Uh, man and woman, they, they were, you know, naked and unashamed is the, the word we use. And, and then it says that they sinned, and as a result of their sin came into the world a curse. And so who brought the curse? Was it God who brought the curse, or was it man who brought a curse upon himself? And the Bible would say that man has brought a curse upon himself. 
And the problems in this world are the result. Truly, this world lies under a curse. The Bible calls it the curse of sin and death. And actually, maybe sin would be the better term for it because it says in other parts of the Bible that death is really the repercussion of the curse of sin. And so all of the world is suffering. Romans chapter 8, I would encourage you to read that. Romans 8, it says um, that all of the world is moaning and groaning under the curse of sin and waiting for our redemption. Now that redemption has been given us in Jesus. And so what we have is that in the meantime, you know, if you are blessed, which which I am, right? Like I'm blessed in a myriad of different ways. And there, there are, um, we, we would use the word grace is the word the Bible uses, you know, kind of exchangeable with the word blessing. The idea of grace is that it's a gift. It's not something that we deserve. And we'd say there are two kinds of, of blessings in this world of grace. There's what we call common grace, and then there's specific grace. And so common grace are, are those things which um, are blessings that everybody experiences. So the fact that like right now here in Colorado, it's a beautiful day out today, the sun's shining, and, and people are experiencing that, whether they uh, love God or whether they honor God or whether they don't. And so that's a common grace. And then we have specific uh, graces, right? Like there are things that God has blessed you with specifically and other people. Now, the whole thing about grace, though, is that it is undeserved. So what we deserve is that we have brought a curse upon ourselves. What we deserve from God ultimately is judgment. And yet God in his goodness gives us patience, blessing, and grace. None of those things are deserved, but we give so much thanks for them. And so the ultimate gift of God's grace is, is salvation, too. And, of course, that is a work of his that we receive by faith. Um, so I hope that answers your question. That I guess i put it this way. We are responsible for the curse as a humanity. We are responsible for the curse. God is responsible for the blessing. And so we give him thanks for the blessings. But we understand that uh, he has done away with, ultimately, the curse in Christ. And we get to experience that, those of us who have faith in him. So, hey, I got to let you go. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Thank you for the calls. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Uh, I've been Pastor Nick Katie with you today from Whitefields Community Church. I'll be with you again on Monday afternoon. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.